Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows in that land we hung our harps, for there those who led us captive asked us for songs. Those who tormented us demanded, demanded songs of joy. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing Yahweh's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I don't prefer Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember Yahweh against the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, raise it, raise it even to its foundation. Daughter of Babylon doomed to destruction, he will be happy who repays you as you have done to us. Happy shall he be who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Cheerful little ending. <laughs> and this, um, this psalm is one of the very few psalms that we know for sure was written in the exile. So lots of psalms, you know, a lot of them are written by David, a lot of them written early. A few of them we know are written later, like the psalm by Hezekiah, um, some earlier by the psalm by Moses. But, th but there's a few psalms they think are in the exile, but they can't prove it. But this one we know for sure was written much later when the children of Israel were taken off to Babylon and it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. The rivers in Babylon, they were the Tigris and the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River is the one that actually goes through the city of Babylon. And um, so they're there, they're sitting by these rivers, their captors are saying, sing songs, but they can't because they're so sorrowful over what has happened to Jerusalem. So they're unable to be happy. I think it's interesting because the children of Israel, we've been through the Bible for now um, more than a year and a half, going through all the history of Israel, and they, the Israelites, they struggled so much with idols and idol worship and being tempted by Moab and being tempted by Cain, Canaan and Baal and all these things, the temptations, and no matter how many prophets came to them, they, they always wanted to not listen and go back, but here, they're in a place in a foreign land where they're actually sad. They actually want their land back. They're actually for the, it seems like truly remorseful. We all know like when a judge is standing in a courtroom and a youngster comes in before him has done the wrong thing, the judge can tell if they're remorseful or not. Sometimes you say to your kids, go say sorry to your brother because they've done something wrong and they go, sorry. It's not a real sorry, it's a token sorry. They're saying sorry, with that glib, light-hearted manner because they've been told they have to. It's a big difference when there's remorse. And here we have a psalm of sadness and remorse. They, when they went back to Jerusalem and Israel later, they were different. They were never tempted again by idols. They had eyes for the Lord only. So their hearts were changed. The discipline changed their hearts. It was good for them. So we have a song here of remorse, a song of sadness, a song of realizing we've let the Lord down and now we've been punished. And uh, it says in, later in the Bible, it says that the Lord disciplines those he loves. God loved Israel and he disciplined her. And, um, but the Lord does the same for you and me. So because, now if he doesn't discipline you, it means he doesn't love you. So his discipline's actually great. It's a sign you're loved. Someone once said, uh, I think it was Graham Cook, uh, English prophet, he said, Lord, would you love me a little less? 
But um, the, the discipline of the Lord is good for us. And um, sometimes, like in, in recent years in Australia, the church as a whole, the body of Christ, has come under a lot of disrepute. There were priests in the Catholic Church, but not only Catholics, in also some other denominations, Anglican and Salvation Army and others, where some pastors and priests and even church workers and volunteers abused children. They had this royal commission. You know, it's like a government inquiry into the extent of child abuse in church systems and church institutions. And they found out, according to the media, they found it was extensive. It wasn't extensive. It was, it was a, a very small minority of people, but it was found in every part of the body of Christ. It was found in the Catholic system, in the Anglican system. They found examples of it in the Salvation Army, in the Baptist. So it was found, it was extensive in the sense that they found it in lots of places, but the percentage of it was very small. So it wasn't extensive in that there was a lot of it. There wasn't. But anyway, the church was, was, was looked down upon by so many people and the media really rubbed it in. And um, it's been a struggle, you know, working through that because most people, most Christians are not like that at all. They're full of the love of God, but we've, we've, in a kind of a way, we can relate to this psalm because it's like the church has been disciplined by the Lord. There's been things in the body of Christ that were not good. The body of Christ has been disciplined. And yet I know it's because he loves us. The Lord's cleaning out of the body of Christ out of the church as a whole, he's cleaning up the mess, and that's good. And the result will be that we'll have eyes for Christ more and better than what we ever did before. We're grateful for that. This psalm finishes with a strange little verse. It says, um, you know, repay Babylon for all that she has done. And then it says, verse 9, happy shall he be who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. So... (laughs) The psalmist is kind of, it's kind of sounds like he's saying, you know, you Babylonians have been so mean, we're just going to be thrilled when we get a, our hand on your babies and we can kill them. So it sounds so mean-hearted, it sounds so unlike Christ, it sounds so unspiritual, does not sound at all like the type of people we should be, and we should not be like that. <laughs> How do we interpret this? Here's a quick little interpretation for you. Babylon all the way through the Bible is always a symbol of the oppressor of God's people. It's always a symbol of evil. It's always a symbol of like the devil's schemes against the church. If we look at it like that, what's Babylon? Babylon is worldliness all around us. Babylon are the things all around us which seek to destroy the body of Christ, destroy your faith. And what would the children of Babylon be? It would be the temptations of this world. It would be the things that this world offers, you know, leisure and pleasure and sex and money and a lifestyle of ease and all the things that it tries to tempt you with, these would be the children of Babylon. It would be the things that Babylon produces and spiritually we should take those things and dash them against the rock. And who's the rock? Jesus Christ. So we bring the the offspring of the world, the offspring of the devil, and we bring it to Christ and we destroy it there. So we're free of it. That's the meaning of this verse, which sounds so terrible at first, and but it does require ruthlessness, but not ruthlessness of the type you first thought. Lord, I thank you for Psalm 137. Lord, we do pray, and we're sorry for the state of the church, that in some parts of the world it has let you down. It has not been a good example, Lord, and we're sorry. It's hard to rejoice about that. 
But Father, I pray now for the strengthening of your people that it might be more effective and more single-eyed for you than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen.